Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. I want you to do that one more time, and this time I want you to add your voice with it because the Bible says, clap your hands, O ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We are doing this in anticipation for what is about to happen. We are releasing our faith when we release our praise. We are releasing something into the atmosphere to let the devil know that this is not his night. This is the night that is dedicated to Jesus Christ. And I am going to have everything that he intends for me to have in this service. Now turn and look at somebody and say, I'm getting ready to go to another level. Say, so uh, remember how I look right now? Now that you see how I look right now, come on, tell them, talk to them. Say, I'm looking good right now. Say, I'm looking real good right now. Say, now just remember me this way because I need a little bit of room right now. I feel a shout coming on. I feel a breakthrough coming on. And I don't want you to worry about the rest now. <laughs> if you shout your hair down, it's all right. If you sweat your shirt out, man, it's all right. If you have to take your tie off, it's all right. I came here tonight to have a move of the Holy Spirit. I didn't come here to just take up space. I didn't come to just preach a pretty little sermon. I came here to bring us into another level. God is ready to bring us a breakthrough tonight in the Holy Ghost. I turn to your neighbor right now and say, in Jesus' name, say, I release you to do the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come here in the name of Jesus Christ. And greet all of you. We feel a we feel a, a an expectancy in the spirit. And there are things that I'm beginning to see in the spirit tonight. And I am not saying this casually to you. This church and this youth group is on the verge of going to the next level. Every time the early church ever came under attack, it was because they went to the next level. I'm going to teach you tonight how to keep going to the next level. And I'm also going to assure you right now that God always gives you the resources that you need to face whatever opposition comes to you to keep you from going to the next level. And then the new devils that meet you in the new levels. 
But God never takes you to a, level, to a new level without giving you another dimension of authority. So what we're really feeling tonight is the devil is saying something is happening. Something is changing. I'm seeing some young people that are consecrating. I'm seeing some young people coming together. I'm seeing a church that's getting focused. I'm seeing a unity and a vision that's coming together. I'm seeing a momentum of prayer and fasting and faith. And there is a history now of God's spirit moving, and it seems to be unchecked by anything that's happening around them. There's, there's just a plain path for them. The cloud is clearing out. Our eyes are clear. And if they keep going in this direction, this city is going to be taken with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I better do something to try to get them distracted. I better do something to try to hinder them. But I came to tell you we are too smart because the Holy Ghost is still alive in us tonight to, to give in to these little subtle pressures and innuendos of Satan to try to shut us down. You see, the devil only fights you when he fears you. Anybody feel a little bit of resistance in the Holy Ghost tonight in yourself? Look at your neighbor and say, the devil is not my problem. Say, I'm his problem. And the reason why he's trying to fight me is because he's afraid of what I got. Say, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, you need to take it as a compliment from hell. You've got something that he's intimidated of. the Bible says submit yourself to God resist the devil and he will flee the word resist basically means hit him back just just don't hit him too hard but just kind of slap your neighbor and say hit him back will you that's what you got to make up your mind you're gonna do you're just gonna hit him back all right open your Bibles the book of Acts chapter number four great to see grandpa and grandma here Grammy and Grandpa, maybe that's better. My illustrious family from St. Louis drove all the way over here to see me. You heard what the man said tonight. They came here to see me. And you're not believing me for some reason. I know they came here to see my little Juliana and, uh, and uh, hear me preach on the side. But I'm glad that they're here with us and my lovely wife. The book of Acts chapter number 4 and verse number 33. I want you to read verse 33 together with me in concert and then I will continue reading. But I want everyone to read this verse in concert. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Everyone say great grace. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Chapter 5. But a certain man... A certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part. Everyone say, kept back part. Verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part? Everyone say, keep back part. 
And he went on a little bit further and said, you didn't lie to man, but you lied to God. In verse 5, Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost, and great fear came upon all of them that heard these things. The young man wound him up, carried, buried him, and then the Bible says his wife came three hours later, and verse 10, she fell down straightway at their feet, yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in, found her dead, carrying her forth, buried her by her husband, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And verse 12 says that signs and wonders were wrought among the people. The Bible says, verse 14, the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women. Just the shadow of Peter passing by causes them in verse 16, everyone that was sick, those were vexed with unclean spirits, and the end of this verse 16 says they were healed. Everyone. Everyone say they were healed. Everyone. Wow. Now I'm talking about a dimension of the supernatural that literally shook multitudes of people changed an entire region of the country because the church was moved into a new position and I believe tonight God is ready to do that for us I'm going to talk to you tonight about how to maximize grace how to maximize grace would you lift your hands would you lift your voice and would you pray with me right now father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that the living word will preach the written word. I ask you, Lord, to give me ears that will hear, hearts that will comprehend. Grant me access not only to their thoughts, but to their thought processes. Oh, God, to the paradigms that are inside of them. Not that I will be able to influence them, but by, that your spirit will take charge in this atmosphere and that your word will break in pieces everything that holds back the true potential of your church, your people, your word, your name, your blood. Release the angels of the Lord in this place and let us move oh God into great grace we ask in Jesus wonderful name we pray amen everyone say in Jesus name amen and the Lord bless you you may be seated if you love Jesus if you're excited about what you feel right now you're feeling a little bit better in the Holy Ghost would you clap your hands one more time to the Lord and give him praise right now let's try it again if you're really anticipating God doing something tonight, I want you to clap your hands like you mean it. If you really feel a little bit of fire still burning from the altar tonight, I want you to clap your hands and let your voice out a little bit tonight. Something is about to break in the spirit. There's a defining moment that God is about to give to somebody here tonight. Some will try to tell you that Pentecost was the apex of all the things that God ever did in the history of the church. But I came to tell you, Pentecost and the experience that happened on the day of Pentecost was the foundation. It was God saying, this is the way I'm starting it because I intend that this is a precedent that we set, that we never get any less than this. And so Pentecost was, was an experience, but it birthed a lifestyle. And so tonight we must understand if we are going to continue in the 
focus and continue in the faith in the function of an apostolic church or a biblical church. If we are going to have all of the privileges that are written in the book of Acts and say, if we are truly an apostolic church, then all the things that happen in the book of Acts ought to be happening now with us. Basically, the book of Acts is written as a testimony. It's saying that if you follow this pattern, the same results that happen in the first century will happen in any century. If we follow those principles, it's more than just a bedtime story. It's not just our history or it's not just antiquity. But tonight we are be able to say that we are a part of the same church. We are the same people. We are an extension of the same thing that happened in the book of Acts because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everyone say, I'm an apostolic. Say, I'm glad to be an apostolic. I'm not embarrassed that I'm an apostolic. I'm excited that I'm an apostolic because I'm a part of the original. I'm a part of the original church. There is no amen at the end of the book of Acts. That signifies that the history of the church was written up to that point. But he said, I'm not putting an amen here, lest you think that this is the end of what God is going to do. Acts 1 and 1 basically said all that Jesus began both to do and teach. But it's not finished until he comes back. So there's a whole lot more that God wants to do on this earth. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us very plainly in the book of James that the, that the husbandman waiteth earnestly for the precious fruit of the earth until he received the early and the latter rain. What happened in the book of Acts was just the early rain. But before Jesus comes back, there's going to be a latter rain. I'm not talking about this counterfeit stuff that's going around in the charismatic movement. I'm talking about a genuine, sovereign work of grace that shakes nations, that turns around an entire generation generation that manifests the glory of God that nobody can take credit for but all we can do is fall down on our face and say God is an awesome God and there's nobody like Jesus he did not suffer he did not hang between heaven and earth Jesus did not pour out his blood just for a dead dry boring traditional church but he suffered and bled and died he was buried and then got up on the third day with resurrection power he now has all power in heaven and earth that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven of things in the earth of things under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord that Jesus anticipated that this would be a church that hell couldn't stop this would be a church my God this would be a church that no generation would be able to quench its fire no amount of time would be able to stop its momentum he said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it say I'm a part of that church come on say I'm a part of that church say nothing can stop this church Hallelujah! come on and clap your hands again to the Lord and give him praise he anticipated that we would be on fire full of the Holy Ghost and so it started with cloven tongues of fire that hovered over their heads. And then he said, I'm going to put dunamis or power on the inside of you. Dunamis is the Greek word uh, where we get the root of dynamite. So he gave them the fire. He lit the fuse before he gave them the dynamite. Because he fully intended that any dynamite that he gave us should detonate. He wanted to make sure that there wasn't any duds. There's no such thing as Holy Ghost duds. 
say, well, I just don't respond. I, you know, I just don't have any emotion. Folks, if I had a stick of dynamite in, your, in my hand and I was walking around, I imagine that you would start moving. Even the most timid of us would start getting excited. Hallelujah. And I want you to know there's something a whole lot more powerful than just a little stick of dynamite that I might be able to hold in my hand. Hallelujah. The power of the Holy Ghost is an unstoppable force. He said it's going to start off in a city, but you're not going to be able to keep it in Jerusalem. It's going to get into the suburbs. That's Judea. But it's not going to stop in the suburbs. It's going to start breaking into different ethnic groups that we never thought we were going to reach. And we'll have whole new communities that are going to open up, and you're going to get to Samaria. And once you get to Samaria, it's going to go from there to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, we're going to find a place where you won't be able to measure it anymore. You won't be able to say it's just in Jerusalem or, or now it's just reached to Samaria, but we'll be able to say, you know what? This thing is so big. It's so powerful. It's so explosive. It's everywhere to the uttermost part of the earth. That is what you and I are a part of tonight. But the key to moving it from a measurable anointing to an immeasurable anointing, the key of moving from grace to great grace is to follow the pattern. The Bible says great grace was upon them all. Now what that means to me is this. If there's such a thing as great grace, then there must be a graduating of grace. John 1 and 16 says, And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. In other words, we exchange levels of grace with God. We start off with the simplistic grace that leads us to repentance. Then that grace graduates to baptism. And then we find another grace when we receive the Holy Ghost. And then there's a grace that, that Titus talked about that teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust so that we can live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. That grace will teach you how to live a holy life. And so... The longer that you live and the more that you progress in God, the more grace that's going to come. Now, what's the significance of grace? Grace is the means by which everything happens in this dispensation of time. Paul called this dispensation the dispensation of grace in Ephesians 3 and verse 2. But he mentioned the dispensation of the fullness of times first because he wanted us to understand what was encompassed in the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace is basically God giving us permission to go where we don't deserve to go. It is God giving us ability to do what we have no right to do. It is God allowing us supernaturally just because he loves us, just because of his work on Calvary for us to be something that we could never become if it was not for grace. Mercy is what takes away the consequence of sin, but grace is what takes away the desire for sin. The root word for gifts, when you say charisma, which is the gifts of the Spirit, the root word is charos. Guess what the word charos is? It's grace. So any gift that is operating in a church, it's because grace allowed it to happen. If you're able to sing, young people, it's because grace gave you a voice. If you're able to worship, it's because God allowed, through the grace of God, you to perceive Him enough and come close enough to Him to worship.
in spirit and in truth. If you are here tonight and you are sane and dressed in your right mind, it's because grace allowed you to be here tonight. It's the reason why you're not on drugs. The reason why you're not somewhere in a back alley uh, doing unspeakable things is because grace said, you know what? I've got a better plan for your life. You're made in the image of God. You've got a destiny and your destiny is not to be destroyed. Your destiny is to dominate in this world and God calls you by his grace. He draws you by his grace. He transforms you by his grace. Folks, I don't know about you, but I can't do anything without grace. Paul said it this way. I am what I am by the grace of God. He said the miracles and signs and wonders that happened, it happened because the grace of God was working mightily in me. And you see, the devil is trying to bring some of you into the wrong concept. You think it's how hard you work. You think it's how much you pray, how much you fast. You think it's all of the performance that you do. And so what happens to you is when you cannot do it exactly the way you think you're supposed to do it, you cancel everything out and say, I'm worthless to God. And so you don't worship, you don't respond, you don't pray because you don't feel worthy. But grace is what allows us to come into a service like this. And the devil starts speaking in our ear and tries to criticize us and tries to shut us down with accusations. And you know what you need to do? Just agree with them. Say, you know what, devil, you're right. I am not perfect. I have made mistakes. I messed up. I didn't even keep it all together from last night to tonight. But you know what? I'm here again, and God is in this house. And you know what, devil, I get a second chance. There's grace for me. There's blood for me. And you know what? When I lift my hands, God is going to meet me and he's going to pick me back up again the devil can't stand it tonight because he don't never have a second chance the devil has fallen and he can't get up hallelujah but we can tell the devil rejoice not against me oh my enemy for when i fall i shall rise and when i sit in darkness the lord shall be a light unto me i'm gonna get back up because of the mighty grace of god so lord jesus give us more grace this is what we need i need some more grace the more grace that is released in the church, the more ministries are released in the church. The more grace that is released in the church, the greater the prayers that are prayed. The easier the souls are won. The easier people receive the Holy Ghost. The faster people get healed. The quicker the finances are loosed. When the grace of God begins to come, the walls start falling down. But when the grace of God comes, there's an unstoppable force. I want it. I want to lift your hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for grace. It's a dispensation of time. And grace makes it possible. The fullness of the times basically means this. Everything that God prophesied from the foundation of the world has to have its time of fulfillment. And so on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he switched out some words. Joel said it shall come to pass afterwards. Peter said it shall come to pass in the last days. What he was saying is I am announcing a new dispensation. It is the time of uh, the last days. Last days does not mean the time is running out and we have to, we're racing the rapture. That's not what he was saying when he was speaking it at this point. What he was saying is this is the beginning of God fulfilling every promise that he's ever made. It is in the last days or in the days of the end of the fulfillment of the promise. So because we are living in this time, we can stand up and claim every promise of God 
because of the grace of God. What he was declaring is, it has begun. We have begun to fulfill the promise. We have begun, and this is the beginning of it. This is that. This is that. No wonder they turned their world upside down because they understood there was nothing holding it back anymore. God was not waiting on anything else. Everything had already been done. The blood had already been given. Jesus had already resurrected. The devil had already been defeated. His church had already been established. And so they had full access to the throne of God. By him, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of what? The throne of grace. The devil says, what right do they have to come up here? Don't you know what they did? He says, quiet, Lucifer. Grace gave them permission. So someone says, why can these young people be used of God? How can these young people have a revival? Grace gives you permission. Say, well, they don't have college education yet. Grace will give you permission. Well, they haven't been to Bible college yet. Well, well, they haven't finished Bible college yet. Or, well, you know, maybe they're just coming out of Bible college, you know. And they just don't have a lot of experience. But grace gives you permission if you will abide by the principles of faith and live by the word of God in obedience. Grace will come into your life. Now, let's talk about how to do it. Are you ready? Want to talk about how to do it? First of all, it's one little word that positioned them to receive more grace. It's a little word called all everybody say all now if you look up the, the word all in the Greek it's amazing all means all they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven the suddenly of heaven came because they all were in unity and then they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And if you began to watch all through the book of Acts, they were all giving all. So the principle that when we see God shaking the house, when we see God doing signs and wonders and miracles, it was because they had all entered into giving all. And it was a simple principle. In verses 42, to the end of the chapter, Acts chapter 2, 46, we see God doing something amazing. The Bible says they continued. They all continued. Everyone say they all continued. See, it's one thing to get the fire. It's one thing to have the wind. It's one thing to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's one thing to have 3,000 souls get the Holy Ghost. But it's something else. For the Bible says they all continued daily. And so the Bible says, And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. If you want to have daily results, you have to be a daily church. If you want to hear from God every day, you have to be, you have to be a daily Christian. If you want to progress every day, guess what? You have to daily give all to God. We don't want to just come and give our all on the weekend. You see, a weekly church is a weekly church. But a daily church is a church that doesn't give up the ground that they got yesterday 
because they continue. All right, let me break it down for you, young people. Do you like DSL or dial-up? We have too many dial-up Christians. They just dial up, you know, 28-8 modem. I was in one poor town. I felt so sorry for these people. The secretary was connecting at 14-4. I mean, you're talking about, you know, five minutes just to get the home page to come up. Is there anything there? Oh, yeah, it's coming. You know what, I'll just log in and then we'll just go have a cup of coffee and come back and see if there's something there. Then I'll click on what I want and we'll come back, you know, a half hour later and see if it's there yet. But you know what, the progressiveness of how fast you can assimilate what God is trying to download into your spirit depends on your connection. You say, well, I just didn't understand that message. Well, I just was not in sync with the choir. Well, I just don't know. It just took me a long time to get into the service. You're on dial-up. You just unplug for the whole day, and then you come to church and go, and when you get a 56K modem, you really think you're doing great, and everyone else is going, oh, my goodness, T1, T2, T3 lines, cable modems. I was in Norway this year. They're, they're transferring knowledge over there at unbelievable rates. You would not even imagine. It just drove me crazy. I think DSL is slow compared to what I've been able to see. And they were, just, they were just laughing at how slow our DSL was because of how fast it is over there. Now they're doing with broadband wireless. Folks, you know what that means? You can be connected without anything connected. The most amazing thing, I have a wireless printer now. I can be in the kitchen and push print. And in the office, I hear the little noise. Man, that thing's coming out. I'm going, this is cool. You know what? This is how we are in the spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost, it's a wireless connection to God. And it's everywhere. Everywhere you go. You can be in the grocery store and, man, you're still getting downloads from God. You can be in the car and you're getting downloads from God. You can be walking through the mall and the Holy Ghost just start moving. And, oh, the Holy Spirit can start speaking to you about people. I want you to know I sat down on the plane the other day. Just the other day, this last week I was doing a youth week in Florida. I sat down on the plane and the guys, people switching chairs all around me. This person had a baby be in there trying to negotiate who's going to sit next to them. And this guy ended up sitting over here by me. He sits down next to me and God says, his name is Mike. I'm just sitting there minding my own business. His name is Mike. But see, I got my DSL line plugged in with God. I'm in my wireless environment. Hallelujah. It didn't matter that I was on a plane. The guy sits down next to me, starts talking to me. Immediately, he just connects with me right away. You see, when you're connected to God, he'll connect you to everybody else. Hallelujah. Get a little Bluetooth Holy Ghost going on there. Those of you that don't know what Bluetooth is, after service, you can come and talk to the administrative assistant on the front row. All of a sudden, I, about 20 minutes later, he go, I say, oh, by the way, my name is Jason. He goes, my name is Mike. I said, yes, I'm connected today. It was God trying to let me know. I don't even know where you're going to sit. I know who's going to sit next to you. I have ordered your steps. And as long as you stay connected to me, I'm going to keep moving everything into position for grace to be maximized in your life. But it happens when you continue. Now, the reason why we have to be a daily church is because we are fighting a daily adversary. 
can I, can I talk about this a little bit right now? In the third chapter of Acts, the Bible talks about a cripple that had been there for 40 years. And they laid him daily at the gate beautiful. Now, you've got to understand what this is. You talk about flies in the ointment. You talk about a thorn in the side. You talk about a hindrance to prayer. Every time you go in to the presence of God, you walk in. What are you going in there for? To have an exchange. You're going in there to, to bring your faith, and then he gives you a supply. You have your need. He gives you a provision. But you've got to have the confidence and the boldness to know that when I come in the presence of God, He's going to be there. And your faith is going to determine the outcome. And so what happens is right outside the door, when you come in and when you go out, there's something that's sitting there that's saying, how come God didn't heal me? Alms, alms, alms. Jesus walked past this man into that same temple, didn't heal him. Three and a half years of ministry. How many times did Jesus go to that temple? How many people got their healing in Jerusalem? Never healed him. He is nothing but a burden to society. He is a victim. And he's standing right outside the door going, Alms, alms, if you give me something, it won't matter because tomorrow I'll be here begging you again and I'm going to suck the life out of you. And there are things right outside the doors of these church that as soon as you walk out there, there's something that's ready to suck the life out of you, suck the faith out of you, suck the energy out of you, suck the vision out of you. You just broke through. You've just been in the presence of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And then you walk out the door and he says, alms. And the questions start. How come, how come God, if when I was in your presence, I felt like anything was possible and this guy... And so what happens is there's this barrier. The barrier was as long as they were together and they were all giving all and they were continuing, they were having miracles. But there was nothing happening in the streets. There was nothing happening outside of Solomon's porch. It was all happening inside. And so the goal of this meeting is come in from the outside. Get in the focus. Get in the flow of the Spirit of God and start building this momentum. The first thing they did was we're going to continue. It doesn't matter what's happening out there. It doesn't matter what they're saying about us. It doesn't matter that they're calling us heretics. It doesn't matter that they think we're just a strange sect. It's just it doesn't matter that they're angry at us. It doesn't matter that we're going against their traditions. It doesn't matter that it's not been this way in the temple before. We know that this is new wine and new wineskins. We know who Jesus is. We know that he is not the, the second to anybody. We know all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. We know what Jesus said. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. We understand who he is. And so we're going to come here and we're going to worship him and we're going to preach the resurrection and we're going to have signs and wonders and miracles. And here's what happens. When a daily church continues, continues, continues in faith, there will be a time when we confront the daily adversary and the barrier will come down. If we will continue, everyone say, if we'll continue. If this youth group will make up their mind right now, we are going to continue. It's not going to end when youth week ends. We're going to be praying on Monday, and we're going to be praying on Tuesday, and we're going to be praying on Wednesday, and we're not going to wait until our new youth pastor comes back before we decide to consecrate ourselves to God. We're going to find a dimension of grace. We're going to find a place in the Spirit, and it doesn't matter what's outside these doors. We know what we've got here on the inside is greater than anything we're going to face on the outside, and we're going to continue. I know that 
devil's not all defeated yet, but if I keep on going, I'm going to push him back. If I keep on, if I keep on, if I keep on, if I keep on. And one day, the Bible says, come on, John. Come on, John. Strong, quiet, confident, pure-hearted, intellectual John is standing with wild men. Crazy Peter. John went with him to give him balance in his life. You always need somebody with you to give you balance. And so all of a sudden, they're on their way. The Bible says they were on their way. This is DSL, folks. They were connected before they got in the temple. They woke up in the morning speaking in tongues. They came to service already prayed through. You see, when you continue, what happens is you walk out saying, thank you, Lord, for what you did last night. When you get up in the morning, you say, God, now what do you have for me? You said, your mercies are new every morning. There's fresh manna for me today. There's a fresh move of God for me today. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You've got a fresh word that's flowing. Is anybody hearing me right now? It's not a lack of God speaking. It's a lack of us hearing when we are plugged in we hear we hear we hear we hear and that generates more faith and all of a sudden the bible says they were so full of the holy ghost that when they stopped they said no 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 it's time for a showdown what do you think john what do you think he says silver and gold have i none but such as i have you can't take this away from me hallelujah but what i've got is greater than what you've got such as i have give i thee in the name of jesus christ of nazareth rise up and walk i believe that what god has put in your bosom can cure the ills of our society it can get people off of their sick beds it can turn a victim into a victor it can take somebody from being a social burden to being a testimony of the power of god is anybody hearing what i'm saying tonight you can't stop a praying church you can't stop a church that's hearing god you can't stop a church that stays in the momentum of everybody giving all the barriers break. The barriers break. Everyone say, I feel a barrier coming down right now. What would happen if the walls started breaking down in this church? Well, we didn't just talk about God in the sanctuary. We actually risked talking about him in the restaurant. I don't understand how 15 feet makes that much difference, but it does. It's cool to talk about God here, 15 feet into the lobby. It's not cool to talk about him anymore. Don't understand that. I had a revival where the Holy Ghost broke that barrier. In the very beginning of my ministry, it really was fun. The pastor had, he didn't really know what to do with me and didn't know what to do with his kids. We started praying for the food and a half hour later, you know, we're sending it all back because we're still praying at the table. You know, the, the, the noises are coming and filling up our water. You know, they're going, you want us to warm this up for you again? We had a move of God that was so great one night, it was so funny. Oh, I, I promise you, it was hilarious. The Holy Ghost started moving in the back of the restaurant. I said, you know what, I still feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like praying for somebody. Well, they thought I was joking. They said, well, pray for her. I said, okay. And I walked over there and I laid my hand down and the Holy Ghost started speaking to me about her. And she started bawling and crying. When they saw her bawling and crying, they said, oh, that's awesome. That's great. I sat down. I said, I feel a little bit better now. I feel like I got rid of some of this. I feel... And I sat down and I turned and looked to my, to my left. There was a line of 20 people that lined up, all wanting to shake my hand. 
They're going to leave. They're on their way out of the restaurant. Couldn't come back to the revival because they're from another church. I took a hold of her hand, and the Holy Ghost started speaking. I'm not done yet. I prayed for this one. That's two. She went and stood. That's three. But we got to the fourth one in the restaurant. I'm just trying to be calm and quiet. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't going, that's the name. I wasn't doing any of that. I was just, just, Jesus, right now, I thank you for what you're doing for my sister. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, tell her to forgive her father. And I said, I'm not going to say what happened. I said, you know, it's been something you've buried deep in your heart. I said, but I just want you to say these words. I forgive my dad. She said, I forgive my dad. And when she did that, the tears, they didn't roll. They squirted. Ever seen tears squirt? They just squirted. They started just shooting out like this. And I said, and she started just weeping. And then, well, then, you know, man, we're all into this because this is a new thing, you know. They've never seen tears squirt before. And, man, everyone's gathered around her like this, and, and we're praying. We're still trying to be quiet because we're in the back of the restaurant, you know. Everyone's starting to get quieter and quieter. They're all looking over their soup, you know, in the back. And I said, God, for all the years that she has had joy stolen from her because of this deep pain in her soul. You said, weeping man, do it for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God, I'm asking you to restore the joy and release it in her now. When I said now, I promise you, God heard my prayer and answered it. It was like something just unlocked. <sighs> and she got drunk. I'm not talking about just a little thing. I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> kind of drunk. Four people were holding her up. You know, they were just kind of doing this number, you know, and she says, you know, they're just keep, keep keeping her in play, you know. And you go, Glory to God. I mean, the table's starting to rattle. People are starting to clap. You know, oh, my God, this is awesome. So I turned and said, you know what? Maybe we should take this back to the church. I said, so I said, okay, well, I'll go back to the church. We'll pray some more. So they're on their way out. They, they checked out. They've never seen people pay their bills so fast. Like this. And I'm in the back room going, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm scaring myself right now, God. Honestly, I started praying. I said, God, zeal with knowledge. Zeal with knowledge. Zeal. I got lots of zeal. I don't have any knowledge right now. I said, okay, God, this is what I'll do. Whoever talks to me, that's who I'm supposed to talk to. So I started walking out going, thank you, Jesus. Just looking at people, you know, they're going, who is a strange man looking at me? They're looking at from their soup like, oh, God, the evil ochre is walking past, you know. I came to the corner. I was making the turn. I thought, well, there's no one going to say anything to me. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. And this little lady says to me, oh, that was wonderful back there. I said, yes, it was. When the, when the walls fall down, folks, you start understanding that anything is possible. If we can ever get this gospel out of these four walls and out into the streets, we begin to understand that this is what it was all about. And God was adding more grace. He said, this is my friend Frank. And I said, hi, Frank. And I took his hand and I said, that emphysema has been bothering you. You need to give up these cigarettes. And she says to me, I've been telling him. I was just telling him right now that he needed to give up his cigarettes. I said, God knows what this man needs. I said, are you ready to get rid of him? He said, oh, I'm ready to get rid of him right now. Yes, sir. So I took a hold of his hand and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, how are your lungs feeling now? Breathe in. Man, okay, thank you, Jesus. A miracle just happened. I walked out and I thought, man, if all the kids could have seen that, that was, that was awesome what God just did. And really, I was the one that missed out because what happened was all those kids had all this Holy Ghost building up inside of them and they didn't even make it. Half of them did not even make it to the car. It was like it hit all at the same time. I promise, someone gave me a tour when I came out. We want to show you this, Brother Cisco. 
There was people in the car, one leg in the car, one leg out of the car, sitting in the ha la 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 la. There were people in the back seat. Of, Doors open. It's still dinging. Ding, ding. You know, keys are in there. Ding, ding. Don't even hear the noise. You know, the little melancholy in me wants to just pull the keys out just so it'll stop dinging. They don't care. I don't care. Thank you, Jesus. Others actually got in the car, closed the door, turned it on. The, the other half of the youth group didn't even get into the car. They're like this. Right outside the restaurant, 1 o'clock in the morning, the cop car starts going real slow around the block several times. I promise you, I was standing outside. Drunks were coming in, you know, because they, they just got smashed. They're going to go in the coffee house. It's the only one that's open 24 hours a day. They're going to go get coffee. They're walking out of their cars kind of like this, you know. And I promise you, there were drunk people in the Holy Ghost just kind of going like this, you know. And these drunk people were just trying to weave through them. And they were so drunk, they didn't know that there was something wrong. You know, they just thought there were other drunk people going into the restaurant. We witness to people out there on the street. There's, is this speaking in tongues? I'm going, how many would you like to see? It was awesome. We finally got them back to the church. We got drunk in the spirit, prayed till 5 o'clock in the morning. The next day, the pastor was so nervous about me. He said, we're going to go through a drive through tonight. I said, that's great. That's fine. Let's go to a drive through So we go through the drive through We ordered. We were the first in line. Everyone's following us. So we get, I said, God, just for the sake of this pastor, God, just hit these kids again. I promise you God heard my prayer. All of a sudden we heard the horn behind us honk. Arr! The Holy Ghost had hit two or three cars all at the same time. Boom, 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 boom. And they were all in line and had not ordered yet. They were just pulling up and the Holy Ghost hit the girl driving and she was leaning on the horn, Arr! speaking in tongues. da, 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 da. There was one girl in the back seat that could speak English. The rest of them could only speak in tongues. And she's going, do you want a hamburger? And they're going, blah, 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 blah. The people in the drive-thru window were getting, you know, the little square window, you know, that they can kind of look and see who's in the drive-thru. You know, they're in there doing the... Because they were saying, you know, welcome to Burger King, can I take the order? Is it... Would you repeat that, please, ma'am? I'm not understanding. You want a hamburger? What else do you want on this? It was, a, so, it was so awesome. It was so great. Those kids turned their church upside down because they broke a barrier. Within one year, that church doubled because those young people found out that if they all sold out to God, if they all stayed in the Spirit, if they all came kept on going, that the walls would come down. They started marching around the Baptist churches in their community. They started getting hit lists of all the backsliders and writing them down. They started calling people and bringing people. They started, the church had to actually go through a building program because there were so many people that came in. I'm telling you that God wants to maximize grace in this church and break some walls and bring them down. He wants to release a fresh energy and life in the spirit. He wants us to, to overcome these things that are sabotaging our faith right outside the door. It's time for us to take charge. It's time for us to understand we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. God set us in this city. God put us here with the authority. God gave us the dominion. And greater is he that is in you. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Everyone say, I've got it. Say, I've got it. Come on and clap your hands again to Jesus right now.
Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. They took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. When grace seizes you, it transforms you to be like him. What I've prayed is this prayer. If it's fair for the devil to possess somebody so that they stink, their appearance is altered. I, I, I had a demon-possessed man that I met in Memphis one time, this, this man was, he'd been in the church of Satan. They called me in the middle of the night, wanted me to cast the devil out of it. He crawled on the floor like, like an animal. He smelled. He had blood coming out of the corners of his mouth. The devil's talking out of him. I mean, he, he was doing all kinds of vile things. And you know what? I got to praying about that. That man didn't even remember half the things that he did. He was so possessed of the devil, it altered everything about him. And I went to God, and I said, God, if it's fair for the devil to possess people that much, then it's fair for you to possess me that much. I want to be possessed by God. I don't want you to just take apart a little bit of me, God. I want everything. I want them to take knowledge that I've been with Jesus. I want you to show up in the way that I walk. Show up in the way that I talk. Show up in my face, God. Show up in my words, God. Show up in my handshake. Oh, Brother Barnes just shook hands with a man in his community, and they were instantly healed of cancer. God, give me that kind of overflow of the Holy Ghost. It worked so much in Peter that just the shadow of Peter passing by, he was just overflowing, overflowing. He was just possessed by God. Oh, it happens because of grace. God, give us some more grace. Tonight. Hallelujah. Second point. Second point. How to increase grace. How to maximize grace. The Bible says that they had all things common. There was no personal territory in the church. Nobody owned anything. They all owned it all. So they had the ownership of saying, this is my church. But it was really our church. This is what we are a part of. Everything happens together. Everyone say together. And so because there was nobody that had any personal ownership, but they all owned it together. It was, it was an atmosphere that allowed them to be transparent and to pray with incredible boldness. And God shook the house. I'm going to show you something that will shut down grace real fast. Is if we start having personal ownership. My pew. It's my pew. I sit right here. Nobody else better sit here. If you do, you can have a fight on your hands. A visitor? What if a visitor comes up and didn't know that that's your pew? I thought this belonged to God. And they're there to get a touch of the Holy Ghost. They're hungry. We had people, I've churches where I've seen people where they actually asked the visitor to move because that was their pew. We've had ushers try to reseat them. I'm going to tell you something. I played the drums. I, 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 was, I was raised in the church. I loved to play drums. I watched my sister play, and I took lessons for a while. And I learned how to put my sister. Yes, my sister. I said that right. She could play. She could jam. And I got to play the drums, and I got to watch. And you know what? Drums are something that a lot of people like to do. And 
you know, you can start getting possessive over it and saying, well, that's my drums and my time to play the drums. You can get so focused on that that you can't get anything done in the service because you're so busy criticizing the guy that's up there or the girl that's up there. I remember one night, I said, I went down to the altar at the end of the service. I said, God, I want to play the drums, but I need to pray about what the preacher preached about. So I'm asking you, don't let anybody go on the drums while I'm praying. And God asked me a question. Are you a drummer or are you a minister? I was just beginning my ministry. I said, God, well, I'm a minister. He said, well, then get up and minister. There's people on the altars that need you. And you know what I decided that night? It didn't really matter if I played the drums or not. What mattered is if people got their needs met. And you see, we can start getting intimidated by each other because if we start taking personal ownership, we can say, well, brother so-and-so, well, he preaches this way, and I like the way he preaches more than this one preaches. And then we can say, well, sister so-and-so, she sings this solo, and that's my favorite song, but, you know, when they sing that country one, well, I don't like that one at all. Well, I don't, or I like the quartet, boy, that's great, but when the young people get up there with the guitar, I don't know about that. And we can start getting into this criticism mode. Well, it's trying to get quiet right now. Do you want more grace or less grace? You see, if we start getting criticizing of one another, getting territorial and start talking about this group and that group, and I like this better than that, you know what? We start sabotaging everything that God is doing, and we shut down the flow of the Spirit of God, and God can't operate there. You see, I used to get intimidated. I watched Brother Stoking. I know he comes here every year. I watched Brother Stoking. He used to say, you know, clap your hands. And people, I mean, they're just jumping, running, you know, circling the building. At one time, I, honestly, I promise, I was there. It was, it was not someone that told me this. I was there in San Diego in a singles conference. He said, clap your hands. This guy came running from I don't know where, ran and baptized himself in the baptismal tank, jumped out of the baptismal tank and kept running. Brother Snow King never missed a beat. He said, people are clapping. They're jumping. They're shouting. They're baptizing themselves. Hallelujah. Clap, clap. Worship the Lord. There was a big tennis shoe footprint on the drywall. For everyone to come back and see, he really did do that, didn't he? I have never in my ministry ever seen anybody do that. Now, I can get, <laughs> I could get intimidated by that. You know, I said, well, clap your hands. And they just kind of go, well, you know, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You know, that's it. They sit down. You can watch people all the, but you know what I realized? I realized that if, if I get intimidated by people, I can't receive anything that God has through that ministry. But if I can look at them and say, wait a minute, I can learn something from them. They have something that I don't have. And guess what? They're on my team. So if all I do is bunt and get the first base, guess what? My buddy's coming and he's going to hit me home. We got to understand, folks, we are not in competition with each other. We're all in this thing together. And I want you to go as far as you can go. I want you to be as good as you can be. And if you do it better than me, you go. You do it. That's why it's a church. That's why it's a body. Some of you in the youth group are going to sing better than others in the youth group. You know what you need to do? Just rejoice with those that sing great. Say, you go. You do it. Some are going to play the drums better than some. Hey, you go and do it because you know what? You've got a gift too. And you can do something that's somebody else can't do but when we all own it together grace is multiplied and God shakes the building releases 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 hallelujah second part of that is this there was nothing in the world that they wouldn't give up for Jesus there was nothing in the world that they wouldn't give up for 
And I'm going to tell you what happens when you sell out. Everyone say, sell out. They did it voluntarily because they realized that the more that they sold out, the more grace that came in their life. The apostles didn't get up and say, I command you all to go sell your houses. They started seeing God move and they said, hey, if we continue in this, what would happen if we sold out some more? And they got into this mindset of, of just yielding themselves continually to God until there was nothing anybody owned in the world. I'm not suggesting that we all move to a mountain, sell all of our houses, you know, shave our heads, get some robes, and sit around and cross-legged and go, mm, you wait for the coming of the Lord. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm, what I'm saying is that we can stay with Jesus. The prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. There's nothing in this world that I want. Now, the great testimony of this was a man named Joseph. Everyone say Joseph. Joseph was later called a god. They thought he was a god when they saw him in the Greek culture. That meant, and they named him the very handsome, one of the most handsomest gods that there was. Zeus and Mercurius. And they said, man, he's as handsome as Zeus. So he was handsome. Everyone say handsome. All the girls say handsome. All right. New convert, handsome, rich, my kind of guy. Okay. He had lots of money. Everyone say, lots of money. I mean, he was so wealthy. He had a vacation home in Cyprus. Lived in Jerusalem, had vacation home in Cyprus. Money. Everyone say, money. Now, on top of that, he's a Levite. That means he has access to high places. He has prestige. Everyone say, prestige. He has intellect, incredible amount of intellect. He has an inside track. But you know what he said? I will give up. Old Testament law to have New Testament grace. I will give up access to the inner temple of Herod to, uh, to uh, go to the outer court of God's presence. I will gladly give up all of my future in this world in order to have an inheritance in heaven. I will gladly give up any prestige that I have in this world or any position that I have in this world in order to have a position in the kingdom of God. And when he sold out, he sold out everything. And in one trip, everyone say one trip. One trip to the altar. He got a new identity and he got a new ministry. He went from being a priest, a Levite, to being an apostle in one day. And they changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas. And it was Barnabas that went and found Saul who later became Paul. He understood about name changes because his name was Joseph and he became Barnabas. And so it was a, it was a multiplication of the same kind of ministry. And when you understand what happens when you sell out and you give all, it begins to multiply everywhere where that you go but I'm going to tell you whatever you give up in this world God will always give you something better right here at this altar whatever you sacrifice whatever you let go God's future for you is greater than anything in your past your best day living for the world did not compare to your worst day living for God because on your best day in the world, you're still on your way to hell. On your best day in the world, you're still lost. You're still empty. It's still a counterfeit. But on your worst day living for God, you're still on your way to heaven. You still have the Holy Ghost. You still have the Word of God. You still have prayer. You still have a church. Let's clap our hands to Jesus and give Him praise right now. Now let's finish this tonight. Let's finish this. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Ananias and Sapphira saw this thing happen at the altar. Saw the name change, the new position. He became numbered with the apostles. They said, that was pretty cool. I'd like to have that happen to me. And they started surmising what their name, their new names were going to be. And, you know, Ananias said, well, I've never really liked Ananias. Let's try something a little bit more savvy. You know, I don't know. Maybe just shorten it like to, like the high priest. And, uh, and we'll just maybe change it from Sapphira to just Saf. Saf? Anna and Saf. Boy, that's... And so they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to church, and we're going to be the only ones that know we're not really giving all. We're going to keep back just a little bit in case it doesn't work out. And, and, but, but we're going to go down there, and we're going to act the same way that Joseph acted. We're going to go to church, and we're going to act like we're giving all when we know that we're really not giving all. They were the first Pentecostal, professional Pentecostal. So when they came to church, they knew how to say it. Hey, Bo. They know how to come and say, how you doing? Praise God. And I said that good preacher voice. God bless you all. So good to see you, man. She could walk in, you know. Well, hi, ladies. How you doing? Oh, so cute. I'm such a word. I love those shoes. In the service, they know how to clap, you know. They've got it down to a style now, you know. They just know how to clap the right way. They know how to move back and forth. They know how to raise your hands, you know. And before long, they're building their case for people to buy into them, to think that they're believable. But they know in their hearts they're really not giving all. They're just acting like they're giving all. And you know what God said? I would rather take two people out that are faking it than to sacrifice the rest of this church by letting someone take grace and abuse it. They thought because great grace was in their midst that it didn't really matter if you gave all or not. You could get the same blessing. There is a spirit that has come into the religious communities of, the, of America and especially North America. Western Hemisphere. But it's a spirit that says it doesn't really matter how you live because this is a day of grace. And as long as we act the part at church, it doesn't matter what we do when we leave. Or how we act when nobody is watching. And that early church was not governed by man. It was governed by the Holy Ghost. And when they came down, you got to understand if they get away with this, it undermines the authority of that church. It stops the move of God, and it invalidates what just happened to all these other conversions. It stops all of the forward progress of that church. This is something that the devil would try to tell you, that it doesn't really matter, folks. But I'm going to tell you, if we sell out and give all and get blessed, and somebody doesn't really sell out and they get the same blessing, then everybody that sold out said, well, it doesn't really matter if we sell out or not. And then we begin to begat a culture of people that hold back instead of people that sell out. 
But a church that is an apostolic church is governed by the fear of God. The fear of God is this. You can fool the people, but you can't fool the Holy Ghost. You can keep it from me, and I'm not going to look at you and just be judging you and constantly trying to discern whether you, it's, it's, it's the real thing or whether you just know how to do it. But I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Ghost knows what's going on in your heart. And the Bible said that the man of God turned and said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You didn't lie to man, you lied to God. And the Bible says, He fell over dead. And fear came upon every soul that heard these things. The fear of God shook people. I'm going to tell you what we need in this world today. When an Ananias and a Sapphira fall down dead, it shakes people because they understand this is God's church and you don't mess with God's church. You don't try to touch what God is doing. This is a sovereign work of grace. I don't want to tamper with it. I want it to keep on going. And I'm going to tell you, the fear of God is what releases us to the next dimension because when we see the fear of God when we come to church, we are less conscious of ourselves, less conscious of the other, and more conscious of God. And that's when miracles happen. I want to tell you what's happened in our culture. Our prevailing culture is exactly opposite. And I'm done right here. But listen to me. It's the most important part of everything I'm saying. Our prevailing culture is the opposite. We all hold back a little. There was a point in the service tonight when you felt the Holy Ghost surge. And you're just about ready to really release yourself. And then you just pull yourself back. We clap, we praise God, we love God. Nobody's in here trying to be fake or professional, but there's just something that gets into our culture where we just, we just don't totally go too far because you know why? The dominant power in the church today is not the fear of God, it's the fear of man. We are afraid that if we give everything and if we sell out, that we're going not to be killed by God, we're going to be killed by people. That one couple, that one young man, that one... Young woman that just decides, you know what, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm just going to dance. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to shout. They're going to get out there and praise God. And you know what she has to worry about? After service, is somebody going to be talking about her in the bathroom? When you're in the choir and the Holy Ghost starts moving, what do you do? You're praising God. You got your eyes closed. And then all of a sudden you open up one eye to see if somebody else is doing it with you. Now, am I telling the truth right now? The Holy Ghost can do that with preachers just as easy as it can happen with young people. I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody. I'm trying to make us aware of what's going on in our culture. But I came to tell you, if we want grace to be released, something has got to change where we break this barrier of the fear of people. God wants you to be released, to be obedient to Him. This is God's church. And if we are going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to be more concerned with pleasing Him than we are proving something to somebody else. Whom you seek to please determines the measure of success that you attain in life because you can become no better than whom you seek to please. What you need to do when someone's criticizing you is look at them and say, do I want to be like you? And if you don't want to be like them, their vote doesn't count. If they sit on the back row and pass notes, the only thing that's going to make them happy is if you get on the back row and pass notes with them. The only thing that's going to please a negative person is if you get negative. The only thing that's going to please a critical person is if you get critical. Hallelujah. So you need to look at them and say, say, do I want to be like them? If, if, if you don't want to be like them, their vote doesn't count. 
if you seek to please man, you are bound to man's limitations. But if you seek to please God, there is no limit to what you can become or where you can go in life. I want to give you permission tonight. I want to set you free from the fear of man. We need a deliverance service here tonight so that we don't worry about whether somebody else is selling out or giving all or praising God or not. We come here saying, you know what? The only thing that matters is what God thinks about me. The only thing that matters is what he feels about me. And if he wants me to dance, if he wants me to praise him, I'm going to do it. If you don't like the way I'm doing it, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for him. If you don't like the way that I shout, I'm doing it because he's worthy. I'm not concerned about anything that you think about me. You didn't go to Calvary for me. He did. You didn't shed your blood. He did. This is not your church. This is his church. And I got to worship him. I've got to praise him. I've got to break out and be the person that God has called me to be. Stop putting people in boxes and try to expect them to be something that God didn't call them to be. You need to minister the way God has called you to minister. You need to be the person that God called you to be. Turn to somebody right now and say, I release you in Jesus' name. Say, I'm not going to criticize you. Say, I'm not going to criticize you. Say, I'm going to have my hand on your back. I don't care what anybody says, my God. You're my brother. You're my brother. Hallelujah. And I want to shout with you tonight. Hallelujah. This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. And grace, grace is here in this house. Grace is in this house tonight. These altars ought to be the safest place in the world. This church ought to be the most unbiased place for anybody to come. They're used to being rejected. They're used to people talking about them. But when you come to a house where there's grace, you walk in and say, thank you, God. I finally found a place where nobody's going to criticize me. I finally found a place where I can be myself and pour myself out at an altar and repent. And nobody is going to embarrass me. reason why backsliders don't come home is they're afraid of the elder brother that's going to meet them outside the door and remind them what they used to be. But that's not how Jesus is. He's coming and running. He's running. We need deliverance. Come on, say deliver me from people, Jesus. Oh, God. I was at camp meeting. I was at camp meeting. I was jumping and shouting. And God spoke to me and said, when are you going to give me all? And I said, God, I'm jumping. What else can I give you? And he said, yes, but you're still letting people bother you. And until it doesn't matter what they think, you haven't given me all. And all of a sudden, I turned and looked at everybody, and I realized that we all professed to be there for the same reason. And if they weren't worshiping, it wasn't my fault. I wasn't doing something wrong by worshiping. They were the ones that were out of place if they didn't want to worship God. So why should their looks or why should my... All of a sudden, I got delivered, folks. And you know what I began to do? I began to smile. I opened my eyes. I, start, I stopped dancing with my eyes closed. I started opening my eyes. And I started worshiping like this. And I started smiling. And I started saying, hey, folks, come on in. The water's good. Hallelujah. Why don't you come out here and join me? And I started grabbing people and pulling them out there. Because once you get deliverance, and once you know how great it is to be free, 
There's something about it. I wish somebody just grabbed somebody by the hand right now. They said, come on. Come on, grab somebody by the hand and get them out of their pew right now. We need some deliverance in this house. We need some deliverance in this house. I'm free. I'm free. What people think about me doesn't matter anymore because grace, grace gives me permission to break out. Grace gives me deliverance. Grace. I set you free in Jesus' name. I set you free in Jesus' name. All that matters is what God thinks. Give all and see the grace. I want some musicians up here as quick as you can get here. Jesus all over this place I'm getting released tonight I'm getting released tonight stop putting people in boxes we're gonna sing and we're gonna dance and we're gonna praise God and we're gonna enjoy ourselves in the Holy Ghost because we're not gonna worry about it anymore I've got nothing to prove I've just got someone to please Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.